Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Podcast Networks. I'm Jeff DeForest along with Mike Luby Lubitz. And once again, we originate out of South Florida and we're at the epicenter. Once again, <laughs> one of the big stories that was taking place around the country. Uh, the baseball season currently, well, I, we're hopeful maybe. I don't know. That's kind of a, a bad word to throw in there that that'll get started on time. Uh, that, that's going to come down to the final hour today. Uh, but prior to that happening, uh, a little bit of a blockbuster. I, I don't know how much of a surprise this was that uh, Derek Jeter would throw in the towel on his uh, CEO position uh, with the Miami Marlins and also divest himself of his ownership interest in the team, one of his dreams. And uh, it's uh, four years after it all started. It was about to go into, I guess, year number five. Yeah. And uh, usually everybody comes in with a five-year plan. But that plan fizzled and went up in smoke. And the guy that was... On top of this story, before anybody else breaking this news to the universe and uh, coming at uh, some, as I said, element of surprise to uh, many people, especially with the timing of it, uh, is Craig Mish, who has many affiliations, including a contributor on the Major League Baseball Network on the tube, uh, Sports Grid Radio. He's on 12 to 2 every day, does a tremendous job there, and uh, he broke this story for the Miami Herald. We welcome to the show. Good friend of ours. Anytime there's a baseball story, we always lean on this man's talents and uh, intuitions uh, and uh, insight. Craig Mish joins us here on After Hours. Craig, how are you, my friend? It's great to talk to you guys. Great to be with you again. I think, Defo, the idea here is at this point they're tr- they're trying to uh, the Marlins get uh, over a thousand executives during the time that you've hosted radio shows. <laughs> so they're they're closing they're in on their way. <laughs> well, it's been a wild ride. I mean, there was you know it's such a, a great feeling and a tremendous vibe all around the area when the Marlins first came into existence. And uh, you know, like a lot of teams, they they became lovable losers. Uh, of course, I grew up on the '62 Mets one of my favorite teams of all time, and yet, yet they found a way to endear themselves and, and sort of uh, immerse themselves a little bit into the community. And, and that was something that, that really seemed to become, uh, you know, a distant concept, uh, especially with the Laurier Sampson regime. Everybody hated those guys. And then I, I thought when Derek Jeter came in, maybe there, there was uh, a morsel of hope uh, that uh, and that's a four-letter word. Hope uh, that you know maybe some of that good feeling would come back, but uh, I, I don't know that it ever did. Uh, what what was your uh, overall synopsis uh, of the Jeter uh, era as a CEO and a baseball executive here with the Miami Marlins? Yeah, I, I think that when he took over, there was a lot of excitement for sure, and and you know the thing that everyone said, I think I said it too, is that no matter what Derek Jeter had done over the course of his uh, life as a as a player, uh, he had he'd, he'd only won default like he'd never lost like when you think yes. about it uh, in, in every way in everything that he's ever done. So we just you know had this 
this assumption that no matter what would happen with the Marlins, that they would end up being a winner. And by the way, that may be true. I mean, we'll find out in a year or two if his footprint is is the reason why the Marlins are back being relevant and winning games and making the postseason year after year, because that's sort of what he promised. Um, he did not deliver that. And, and I think that it, it feels a little preemptive, to be honest with you. It feels like maybe when his time was up at the end of his deal this year, that there could have been a parting of the ways regardless. And this is just happening now. Um, you know, for what reason? I mean, certainly we can get into that. But, uh, you know, I look back on it and I say, you know, sort of got an incomplete year. He really didn't finish the job. Um, and then, you know, a lot of other questions will have to come from why he did, uh, you know, not finish the job as well. Well, and that's what I want to talk to. We're talking with Craig Mish. He's great on Twitter at Craig Mish when it comes to baseball. He does football as well, does everything, Mr. Gator himself. So at Craig Mish, he's a great follow on Twitter. The reason is what I find most interesting. First, he releases a statement, you know, where we were then. It's not where we are now. And first, the Marlin in me is like, of course. Second, the person who's been on sports radio with Defoe for 12 years said, but, like, are you shocked, Derek? Like, Bruce Sherman was never a uber billionaire. This organization has never been one to spend a lot. Like, from what you've gathered as a guy who was on top of the story from the beginning, what do you think the legitimate reason is? And is that is that legitimate? <laughs> like, if it's because of the money being spent, was well, that shocking? Like, this organization never spends. You, you know, I don't think that had anything to do with it, Luby. Okay. I don't, I don't think that, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I know that that's what, it feels like, and yeah. the comment was made there, uh, you know, in, in terms of Derek. But and, and look, I can't sit here and tell you that after five years that that uh, that Derek is my best friend. Like, yeah. I can't say that. You know, I, I could say Derek Jeter knows me. <laughs> I could say he knows who I am. Uh, you know, he, he knows my name. He knows what I do. He knows that I have a boy that plays Little League Baseball. Like, we've we, we oh, had wow. conversations. But I, but I can't say that I, I genuinely know in his heart of hearts uh, why he's he chose to to do this, but I can tell you what I think. Okay, and I can tell you what I, I you know I, I feel confident in thinking is that it, when you're Derek Jeter, you admittedly deserve a level of respect mm. that is above all others. Like really, when you think about it, uh, Defoe Luby, like who is the most popular player in Major League Baseball right now? Um, could be Derek Jeter. Yeah, hasn't I was played say, in five, isn't it Jeter now? <laughs> hasn't played in five years. Hasn't played in five years. Still probably the most popular player. Uh, is he one of the most popular players in baseball of all time? I think that answer is yes as well. Is he one of the most successful players in Major League Baseball of all time? I think that answer is yes. And so if I sound like I'm making Michael Jordan comparisons, I am. Yeah. And, and, and Derek, in his mind, uh, probably feels like that's who he is. He is Derek Jeter. He is his own brand. Yeah. And so to think that, hmm, you know, my contract is coming up here at the end of the year in November. Huh. Um, I wonder why my contract is up at the end of November and uh -huh. I am not signed for another five years. And, you know, maybe some other things, too, that are involved in that. Um, I want to know. <laughs> you know, I, I want to I, I be extended. I want to be here long term. Is there a commitment for me long term? And I guess he didn't get the answers that he wanted, and he left. I mean, that, oh, wow. that's I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's pretty much as simple as that. You couldn't find a better ambassador for the team if you were going to try and uh, motivate fans to uh, actually attend games or 
become interested in the ball club than Don Manningly, the team's manager and uh, also a former manager of the year just a couple of years ago when they got uh, through the COVID uh, shortened season and, and took the team into the playoffs. And it looked like then, uh, Craig Mish, that uh, this was uh, a ball club uh, that maybe, I mean, uh, you know, had, had at least a chance to fulfill on, uh, you know, one of the rare five-year plans that actually came to fruition and uh, arrived on time with a winning franchise and then an upward uh, swinging momentum for maybe the next several years. Uh, and, and yet uh, it, always, it always felt awkward being around the Marlins. Uh, you know, we were a little closer than the periphery because uh, Luby and I were working at the flagship station and usually we're assigned to do uh, somebody else's dirty work. Like, hey, go out to spring training and do a couple of shows. No, no, we don't care. Uh, you know, you can sleep in the stadium. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, they wanted us to do uh, all of the uh, sort of uh, ambassador type of work between the radio station and, and the club. And yet there, there was a, like a giant paranoia, as there often is. You've been in radio a long time, uh, Craig, uh, where yeah. the flagship station has this weird relationship with the team that they're carrying, which you, you'd think they'd be mutually in love with each other. And often it's very adversarial. This was kind of, uh, you know, sort of a paranoid relationship I saw. And, and uh, did that, uh, you know, sort of feeling come from Derek Jeter, who uh, uh, did you find that there was like an awkwardness in, in dealing with the Marlins organization, uh, not to the level of total discomfort? You still felt OK around the team, but, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like you were going to get close to anybody, as you mentioned. Um, you know, I, I did feel that initially. I did feel that at the very at the very beginning, um, before I was able to develop relationships with with some of the people in the organization, I would say that that is fair initially. Uh, but I but I did not feel that. And, and you know what? I would say that 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 may have been fair for a lot of other people as well. But you know, and, and listen, when it comes to um, when it comes to sports and it comes to media, I feel very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in to do what I do, to have the coverage that I have. But Defo, I'm not going to be stopped. You know, like no one is going to stop me from doing what I'm doing and no one is going to be better at doing what I'm doing. So your choice essentially is you can be friends with me and you can work with me and you can help me or I'm just going to do what I have to do and, and, and the job is going to get done one way or the other. So, um, yeah. So, so initially there, I, I think that kind of, you know, was that, but in time, as I developed these relationships, friendships, and I think the realization of, 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 the, of the organization just in general from top to bottom, that I was going to do this, whether or not I was getting help or not, I, I think they probably, you know, at least from my end said, Hey, well, look, you know, we're, we're just not going to stop this guy. So we may as well, you know, do our best to, you know, have a relationship. At least that's the opinion. That's my opinion of it, personally. He broke the story about Derek Jeter uh, leaving his position as CEO, divesting himself of his interest in the Miami Marlins, supposedly a secondary dream uh, only to uh, maybe being a shortstop with the Yankees for as many years as he was. And uh, we know uh, about uh, his desire to succeed. Uh, Craig, of course, with uh, MLB Network, the Miami Herald, where the story first appeared, and also uh, hear him later on today, uh, every weekday, 12 to 2, on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Uh, it, it was uh, interesting from so many uh, different angles, uh, the, the whole uh, experience uh, with Derek Jeter uh, as uh, first coming in as an owner of the team. And, and you know, it, it's always good to follow a bad act. I mean, you know about that from being in this business, right? Yeah. 
where if you're following in the footsteps of somebody who is like despised by, by all of the <laughs> listeners and uh, the viewers or whatever, I mean, uh, there's a pretty good chance that somebody in the media is going to label you a breath of fresh air. And, and uh, as we said, that, that was kind of the case because I, I don't know that anybody was, you know, you see owners that, that people like Dan Snyder, that uh, as soon as you mention their name, uh, you know, it's like Niagara Falls type of reaction uh, from the old uh, routine, comedy routine. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, Laurie and Sampson were, were in that boat, were, were they not, as uh, owners of the Marlins? And yet they pulled off possibly the most brilliant sports Ponzi scheme of all time in, in you yeah. know, acquiring this team for a song and a dance and ending up cashing out at $1.4 billion. Uh, a, uh, know. You know, I mean, uh, second only to those guys that owned uh, the St. Louis ABA team that, that retained a portion of the NBA's television rights forever to the tune of uh, making zillions instead of taking the $50,000 buyout. So uh, it, it was weird because, uh, I mean, the platform was there for Jeter to sort of integrate himself into the community a little bit more and, and be more a face of the franchise. But he made some weird moves, Greg, at the beginning, like like divesting uh, the franchise of a lot of the, uh, you know, community attachments, guys that uh, we really uh, looked up to, like Tony Perez and uh, Jeff Conine. Uh, do you think he just kind of flattened things out in the very beginning? You know, by making those moves, it, it seemed like later on they, they tried to make amends for uh, some of the things that, that people thought were a little bit egregious when it came to the history of the franchise. Yeah, no, I, I look, I, I understood if you're speaking to, you know, you know, Jeff Conine and, um, you know, I mean, I hated that. It was, you know, the Hawk, you know, Andre Dawson. I mean, come yeah. On. I mean, I've known Hawk for you know, 20 years, more than that, 30 years probably. Uh, all, all those things stung. But, you know, maybe the, the way it happened was awkward. But I really, you know, when I think back on that, I, I really can't fault Derek for that. I feel bad for Jeff, for Jeff Conine. Yes, like all those things, I definitely have empathy. But they're all associated directly, Depot, with David Sampson, you know? And, yes. that was, and that was the toxic part of it. It's like, I mean, think of it from Derek's perspective. Okay, let me keep Jeff Conine around the team every day. Who's his best friend? David Sampson. Nah. So, I mean, what are the odds that Jeff is not going to say, hey, you know what happened today? I mean, I mean it can't be. Um, right. So, you know, I don't really I don't really have fault with that. Maybe the way that it happened was weird. Um, but I think that what you can find fault with, and, and, and by the way, the, the, the trade that they made with Marcelo Zuna, um, you know, when they first came in, that produced Sandy Alcantara. And it produced Zach Gallen, and Zach Gallen was traded for Jazz Chisholm. So for people to say that he came in and dismantled the team and got nothing back in return, that's not true. Like that, that trade was a very successful trade. Um, and the Stan trade, which everyone looks at, um, you know, to me, if they don't spend money, then it was it was a waste to trade the guy. But I don't know that the Yankees right now Depot want that contract for free, you know, for the next seven years or eight years or whatever. Can you it imagine? Is. So what wow. am I getting at? So so what am I getting at? The, the Yelich trade, right? There's no defending. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a horrible trade. It was a terrible trade. And honestly, it didn't need to happen. You know, it was a trade that Derek let his ego get in the way. Um, Christian Yelich insulted him. You know, basically, you know, wanted out. I don't want to be part of this. I don't want to be part of anything that you have to do with. You traded Stanton. I'm done. And, and Derek took it personally and said, well, you don't want to be here? Don't worry. I'll handle it. I'll send you to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ah. And we'll be fine. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get back. Go eat some cheese. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to get back four players in return. And two of these guys are going to be superstars. We're going to get this Lewis Brinson. He's going to be a superstar. We're going to get Monte Harrison. You know, Tom Mattingly compared him to Mookie Betts, you know? And um, it was a complete 
failure that trade. So, so I mean, as a whole, I mean, some of the, some, you're going to hit and miss guys on trades. I mean, it's going to happen. Every team is going to make mistakes, and every team is going to have success. But when you look back on that trade, you know that could have altered what they had in the farm system initially. It could have prevented what we saw for three out of the last four years, where they were playing, you know, quad A guys in the last month of the season. Yes, that's definitely true. So uh, when I look at the body of work, I see successes, I see failures, I see a solid farm system that they built, but clearly in terms of the trades that they've made, at the very best, you would grade a C. Like at the very best, you would say it was 50-50. Well, and I, again, the radio and you sort of transitioned me into uh, what I was about to say is people are sort of running and the Marlin fan that's, I guess, hurt is running to say that it was an utter failure. I think you dubbed it perfectly incomplete. It wasn't a success, but it wasn't a failure either in the sense that they did make a playoff run. And what he said from the beginning, Jeter, did what organizations in the past haven't, let out an exact plan, and they followed it. He said, we have to change over the farm system. And it's now considered a top three farm system in all of baseball when before it was in the, the bottom third. They've, the pitching was a major issue. Now they have as good young pitching as anyone in baseball. So he didn't succeed in making them a consistent winner, but he laid, like you talked about, a foundation that we haven't seen down here in a long time. Right. So the, so, so the, the way that this is a success or a failure is, is, is also determined, though, Luby, by the execution yes. of trades and signing yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to assist with the form system that yes. they've built. Because let, let, let's be real here. In two years from now, if the Marlins are still losing 90 games a year and mm-hmm. they have the number one farm system, no one is going to care, yep. right? Like we're at the point now where it, it's going to be five years. There's been some hiccups, a pandemic season, a lockout. Yes, I agree with all of those things. But, it, but, but at some point, you, you can't take seven years to win. You know, like it, it can't be like that. So the dynamic that's still very much to be determined and you can't say is a success is that with the assets that they've collected in terms of the draft and in terms of internationally with some of these young players, Luby, they have to now trade them yeah. to get yeah. the bats that they need to succeed yeah. because we know that they are not going to invest $200 million in a player. So if that does not happen and they're unable to execute these massive trades to make the team a winner, what do they do? They have trophies. They have articles from, from Luby Lubit saying, <laughs> saying that they're in the top three farm system. Congratulations, Luby. That's, That's fantastic. Can we print that out and put that on the wall? Because, you know, to go along with our drive for 55, right? Like, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> they need to start winning. They got to start winning now. You threw in a low blow there, Red Craig Miss Show with the drive for fifty five. Exactly. Sure <laughs> no, we still have nightmares. That, uh, you know, I don't know <laughs> that I would warmly embrace uh, at this point. Uh, uh, all right, uh, final thing. What, what happens? I mean, is that it for Derek Jeter? Does he decide to move on to uh, other ventures, or, or do you see him, Craig Mish uh, of MLB Network and, and many other affiliations, uh, returning to Major League Baseball in another uh, executive capacity with a different team? Uh, you know, I I, I don't know that I don't know that he'd ever have the final say of a major league baseball team. I don't know that he proved enough in Miami to have that. Um, you know, could he be, you know, a, you know, a special assistant to a general manager? Um, 
you know, an executive with the Yankees. Yes. Like I think all of those things can happen, but I mean, I mean, you think about it, Derek Jeter went from a player to the CEO of a team, like doing day to day, like it's just crazy with no experience whatsoever. And that experience that he gained here should be able to help him in whatever role he does next. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know the answer, Defo. It's not like I'm texting him and saying, Derek, what's next? I have no idea. I mean, he could, he, he could, could certainly be great at media. He's great at TV, whatever he does. Um, you know, he's got a documentary coming out, the, you know, like The Last Dance. He's got that coming out for ESPN, The Captive. So that'll be the next time that we see him extensively. And, and we'll, just, we'll just have to wait and see. Look, truthfully, Derek has a very, very small circle of people that he trusts, that he tells things to. Unfortunately, I'm not in that circle. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very fortunate that, like, like I said, that he knows me. I got to know him. It was a great experience being able to cover him, not only as a player, but now as an executive. But uh, whoever, whatever Derek Jeter chooses to do next, either he's going to break, the, break that story himself or somebody else will. It probably will not be me. <laughs> well, you broke this one. Broke this. Uh, great job on that. Scooping everybody true. all in the baseball guides. <laughs> People that are out there recovering the game you never for know. centuries. Gammon's just scratching Aha, his Mish head going, how does this kid do it? This Mish. Mish again. Uh, all right. A- excellent stuff, uh, Craig Mish, and a great job. I mean, uh, this is part of your game, and, and that's what makes you great, uh, coming up with this stuff. Uh, it was a big story all around the country and probably will be for, uh, you know, at least, uh, you know, well into the baseball season once it gets underway. You know, uh, where uh, do you stand on that? Uh, do you think it will be resolved today? It, it looks like it. I, I, I'm following just like you are. I have okay. no additional insight, but it, it does it does look promising. I guess the question becomes, uh, you know, right now is if it does get done today, still is there enough time, mm. um, you know, for the 31st? And, and what happens to, like, spring training? You know, Defo, I mean, you, I mean, I know you want to be out there with the big table watching all those really tall guys walk <laughs> by. So, I mean, ho- you know, <laughs> like ho- it, hopefully – so hopefully we get that. Uh, that to me, that's the biggest story that hasn't been told. Is that my gosh, how much money have these cities, these little cities in spring training, lose this year, mm. where their whole revenue year round, three months is is making eighty percent of their revenue, and they're lost all that. Oh, wow. just, it's, such, it's such a bummer. So hopefully they yeah. get some spring training going for those people. Always, uh, always feeling for the vendors, you know, having been one myself, uh, you know, where uh, that's it. We lose a bunch of games and, uh, you know, can't sell any hot dogs, can't make any money. Uh, Craig, uh, always a pleasure, uh, my friend. Thanks so much for joining us here on After Hours with Tifo and Luby. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mish, man. All right. Well, he really gets into it, huh? Craig Mish yeah, on baseball. Stuff, man. It's come a long way, that kid. Uh, <laughs> unreal. Great. And breaking that story about Derek Jeter, which was interesting, of course, because uh, it happens right here in our hometown. Uh, there was uh, great optimism that, that maybe uh, this guy's success track record as a baseball player what would translate into being a baseball executive. Uh, as Craig said, I mean, the jury will remain out on that for a little while because if a couple of things click in, and uh, as he pointed out, a serious blunder with the Yelich trade, if Ego got in the way even more so, but uh, actually did reap and accrue back uh, some valuable assets and the other two big deals, including, I mean, if it's uh, addition by subtraction, unloading yep. uh, Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton, what was uh, yeah, a tremendous uh, you know, advantage for the Marlins in the long run, they, yep. they'd be stuck with this honorous contract for the next seven years. And he's always hurt. Crippling uh, their organization, yeah. So, uh, you know, the people that were screaming about that uh, perhaps were, uh, you know, wildly and uh, outrageously misguided. Uh, all right, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Luby, we'll, we'll do it again tomorrow. Yes, sir. And uh, I believe we're going to feature, uh, what, is, is that going to be Mike Westoff going to join One us? One and only iconic NFL coach, special teams guru, Mike Westoff will be our guest tomorrow on the Believe Podcast Network.
All right, sounds good. Uh, with that, we'll uh, we'll leave you for now. Went with this thought. Uh, remember, people, no matter what you're doing, you gotta believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food. Amazing atmosphere. Good for a family. Good for a date or just a night out for yourself. And prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.